You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. All right. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. Thank you all for joining us. We have a fun little three man weave today. That's right, folks. We have not had a three man weave in a while. I think it's going to be a good one. It's your boy, Zayerman. I am joined here by Dalton and Lucas. We are ready to talk some Minnesota sports. It's been an interesting week in the world of Minnesota sports. In our prep meeting, we could not decide where to start, so we will start right here. The Minnesota Golden Gophers defeated the Michigan Wolverines in the sport of men's basketball by a final score of 75-57. to 57. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. That was in January of 2021, a Patino coach team. The actual victory happened last night, uh, 75 to 65 Gophers over the Wolverines. So I asked Dalton, who was on the hype train last week about the Golden Gopher men's basketball team, All aboard. To, to call me, to give me a ring whenever the Ben Johnson coached Gophers do something that a Patino team hadn't done. He leaked to me maybe that he thought this was something, this win over the Wolverines on the road was something that Patino had not done. So Dalton, I ask you this, was this victory something a Patino team couldn't have done or didn't do? Uh, or should I wait another week? Your landline was ringing off the hook because yeah, this is something Patino never did. First win in Ann Arbor in a decade. 2011 wow. was the last road win over the Wolverines. Al Nolan, Trevor Mbakwe, those were the guys that were playing back then. So Yikes. big win, big win for the Gophers. And I mean, Patino had some road Big Ten wins in his career, but last season, the Gophers were 0-10 on the road in the Big Ten. They win their road opener this year. Coach Ben Johnson tweeting, roadkill. Oh, yeah. I was hyped. We're all hyped. Tweeting out Gophers memes from the at Pod account on Twitter. New at, what up? New at, catch us. Catch us on Twitter, at Pod. But big, big W's. We're all aboard. Sky, you ma. All right. You may have had me convinced. Dalton, just give me some general ideas. What are you seeing that you're really liking from this Gophers team? What's making it different? What's getting you to buy in? And why should I buy in? So I said last week, the team's pretty shallow. They play six guys. I mean, I think yesterday, let's see, they played eight, but two of the guys off the bench, they had two minutes and eight minutes. So they only really play six guys most of the game. But five of those six guys are transfers or seniors and or seniors. A lot of those transfers are seniors. So what that means is these are a lot of guys who are coming from smaller colleges where they were the man. Like they were coming from William & Mary, Lafayette. Um, let's see here. Peyton Willis has transferred 18 different places. Uh, University of New Hampshire. So these are guys who were the guy at a smaller program. And now they're all playing together where they don't necessarily have to be the man, but they're used to creating shots for themselves. They're used to sort of making plays in big situations. And I think those road wins we talked about last week, they beat Pitt, they beat Mississippi State. Those aren't powerhouses, but those are power five teams. So I think that gave them some confidence. Now they're playing together. They had a little bit of success against Michigan State, but tough loss at home at the barn. Came back, bounced back nicely against Michigan. I think they're playing together. They're guys who have made big plays in their careers. Now they're just making big plays on bigger stages. Wow. I love that, Dalton. I have. Uh, I want to double click on something that you said about it's five guys who used to be the man all playing on one team. Now, typically you would look at that from the outside and say, that's going to be a team that has trouble. The ball probably is going to get sticky. They're not going to have a ton of movement. It's going to be a lot of guys trying to play hero ball. What do you think makes this team different? Like, Why do you think that these guys have been able to mesh uh, so easily? So I think you make a good point about how the ball can get a little sticky. They had two assists in the win yesterday, two assists and four turnovers as a team. So I wouldn't say they're like swinging the ball like crazy, making extra passes. Oh yeah. But coming from those smaller universities now playing on this big stage, I think these guys are experienced. They know that, okay, I was playing at William and Mary last year. I'm probably not going to be able to be the man at a big 10 school. So they understand it's, my turn to play, but I'm buying into this new system that Ben Johnson's putting in and they're seeing success. I think early success 
has sort of proven that, okay, I can buy into this system. I'm no longer the man, but I'm at a much bigger program and I'm part of something bigger than just myself. Wow. That was well said. It's almost like the opposite problem that a team like in the NBA, the Timberwolves have, we'll get to them later, but that idea of like, you have zero shot creators on the floor. Sounds like the Gophers have four to five shot creators on the floor at any time. Uh, so feels like you can't have all of them be stagnant in one night, right? Right. And they know, okay, I might not get the ball in this possession, but down the road, I'm going to get my chance to score. The, the scoring is pretty balanced. Jamison Battle, that sophomore transfer, the young guy on the team, he's sort of been leading in terms of scoring, but everyone else, it's been pretty balanced. So we're all, they're all getting their chance to put the ball in the bucket. Wow. Really cool. All right, folks, it's time. Time to tune into the Golden Gophers. Time to get back on that bandwagon. All aboard! Get your butts to the barn. We'll leave it there in the Gophers. We will transition here to something good that happened last week as well. We're keeping it really light, really positive to start. Uh, we had a Minnesota Vikings Thursday night primetime victory against the Pittsburgh Steelers by a final score of 36 to 28. Sounds like a close one. Wasn't the whole game. If you'll remember, the Vikings were leading 29 to nothing late in the third quarter. About four minutes nice. left in the third quarter. Somehow made it a game. Um, Lucas, just give us some thoughts that you had through this game. I, uh, I'm concocting a theory currently mm. where I think no one on the entire Vikings team, staff, in the facility, whatever, anyone associated with the team day-to-day, -day, no one gets enough thrill in their life outside of the football because clearly they just want to live every single game right down to the wire. They need a little rush. They need a release. They need something. And by God, I think it's killing me slowly. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, boys, a win's a win, but that was, that was bad. <laughs> oof. Oof is what he's got for us. Incredible <laughs> insight there. I love the oof. Um, okay. So you're talking about these thrill seekers. What do you think? Should we get how do, we, how do we correct that? Do we get them like season passes to Valley Fair? Everybody on the team, if I'm, if I'm Wolf, do I just, you know, if I'm the Zigman, do I just go over there and say, hey, taking a team trip to Six Flags every week? Or, you know, would Nickelodeon Universe do it? Could we just get them on a budget, get them on the log shoot? Would that be enough? Or do we need to start mainlining heroin into these guys' veins on a weekly basis, give them that rush that way so they can be level set, ready to play on Sundays? You know, I think... That's got to be up to Ziggy, right? Like okay. He's got to figure out, just much like a coach has to do, get the best out of their players, figure out what works for each guy. I mean, maybe that's what's in the, in the secret Kool-Aid over in uh, you know, New England. Robert Kraft knows, knows what these guys need. Hmm. I think different that was more of a, for different <laughs> folks. a massage parlor. But uh, yeah. two quick Relaxation, you know? One, favorite Valley Fair rides. Two, would Valley Fair rides be better or worse if you had heroin coursing through your veins during the ride. Well, Lou, I'll, I'll let you start. Yeah. You worked at Valley Fair, actually. <clears throat> yeah, I you? actually worked at Valley Fair for a summer. Um, did not enjoy it. We'll never set foot there again. Whoa. Um, also, not a ride guy. Hate rides, personally. Mm. It was uh, <laughs> a weird choice to work there. Yeah, I needed a job <laughs> and I uh, had an in, so very strange. I worked at the Ripcord, uh, which was actually one of the cooler rides but um you know that's basically like the the free fall and then it catches you did you have to um, ride it so you could speak intelligently to the I people i did online? have to ride it i i rode it twice and i i was so scared oh my god it was so scary so scary <laughs> did I, you did how many people did you see did you see anybody wet themselves while you're doing it i did not hmm I, I would have thought that would be kind of a, the worst part of the job is having to wipe that thing down every oh, ride. After the worst a, part kid was, was a little bit too young. We also, had to, uh, we also had to work the tilt the whirl right next door. Ooh, cleaned up some puke a few times on that ride. That's that is the worst ride of all time. So he hates these two. Do you I have hate, any that you like at all? I don't all? like any of them. Do you like the little teacups? Do you like the water rides? Is there anything uh, you like? Water rides I do like. I'll okay. Do, all right. I like okay. water slides. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dalton, do you have a fave? I always liked the power tower when I was young, but then mm. I, I went when I was like, wait, did we go in college? I think we might've gone in college. You came and saw me. We did. 
That's right. Okay, yeah. So I went in college, and the power tower lost a little bit of its thrill. Mm. So then I was more of a roller coaster guy. Okay. So you like the Renegade? The you Renegade. Like the wild the thing. Renegade was the go-to. Yeah. Renegade's a good one. It's oldie but a goodie. Yeah, I think that's my top. I like the Renegade. And uh, if we're doing Nick Universe, it's log shoot all day. Oh, yeah. It's the only one that survived through all the transitions in that park. Is Did the, you try to make a funny shoot. face when they get on the photo on the way down the shoot? Or were you all fear, Dude, fear in your eyes? I was all all business. No, I uh, I didn't I didn't even like I wasn't registering that the photo would be taken. So I'd be just like scared and then I'd see the flash and then I'd after I'd try to make my face like, <laughs> oh, oh, crap. Oh, uh, ah. And then it'd be like, dude, what are you doing? Um, yeah. So that was a good transition. Vikings back to Vikings. Thrill seeking. Um, so it was a weird collapse. Vikings win that game. Um, I didn't love the way that like the halftime was being talked about. I know we always like to talk about the announcers, so we're going to do it. And it was kind of like everybody was giving the Steelers a pass for just choosing not to show up at all. Like they weren't, they were kind of like, oh, this team just had a tough game on Thursday night. They just look tired. It's just tough. It's like, number one, you shouldn't be doing that because if you're Fox, like the NFL has chosen to have these Thursday night games, they made this schedule. They made them play after one of their bigger games of the year. They played Baltimore the week before, make them play on a Thursday night and then expect to have it be a good like product for the fans. And then Fox is like, yeah, it's like not a good game. Like the Steelers look really bad because they're tired. It's like if it, if it was flipped, like it'd be a totally different narrative against the Vikings. It'd be like, this team just doesn't have it this year. Like, they they never get up and play these big games. They're never ready to go. It's like, would have been Kirk why did the Steelers get a total time. pass? Yeah. yeah, like it just felt weird to me that they ben were just like old. okay with yeah. saying that like this team that clearly didn't show up ready to play is just like ah they didn't come to play. And then the thing that really got me was Troy Aikman was like they did the thing where they talk about how many close games the Vikings have been in. You got to do that, you know. It's like that. And did you know Thielen went to MSU Mankato, um, Minnesota guy. Those are the that was last year's thing. This is this year's thing, the close game. And it's interesting. So whatever. We'll talk about it. But he was like, he said it. We're up 29 nothing at half or whatever the score was. 20, what I don't know. 26 nothing at half. 29. Anyways. 29. Okay. And Aikman goes like, and he, they do the whole thing, and he's like, Well, the Vikes aren't really holding up their, their end of the bargain on this one. It's like, wait, what it's not our fault that the other team didn't show up to play. Like, you can't spin that like the Vikings didn't make it interesting. We did our job. We came out there ready to go. We were firing all cylinders. Dalvin Cook had the most rushing yards in a first half by any Viking ever. What? Yeah, you heard that right. That's a crazy that stat. Was any player, wasn't it? Any player, any Viking, any player. There you have it, folks. That's crazy. How does he not even get to 200 yards? We'll talk about the play calling maybe in the second half. Why the, Why on earth did they throw the ball at all? If you're 29 nothing, pound the rock. And Delvin Cook is like clearly faster than anybody else on the field. They couldn't stop him at all. He's getting 10 yards a pop. And they decided to start throwing the ball again. It's like, that's the kind of stuff that makes fans lose their minds, right? That's how we get to the spot that we got to. Um, but my question of all this at this point, six and seven Vikings are still in the hunt. They still have a chance to make the playoffs. They're still dragging us along, dragging us along. It's like the State Farm commercial. Oh, got you a dollar. Got to be quicker. That's us. We're trying to get that dollar. And my question is, at this point, with the way that this year has gone, is there any realistic way that Zimmer keeps his job? Does We talked about going into the season. We said on this podcast that likely for him to keep his job, they have to make the playoffs. And now it's been such a weird year in terms of all of the results. And you lose to a 0-10 team that stands out a little bit more than a loss to a different kind of team. So do you think that making the playoffs is enough now, still this year, for Zimmer to keep his job? Or do they have to win a game, win a couple games? What do we think? I think... If he does make the playoffs, I think that's going to be grounds for him to stay. I think Spielman and Ziggy will be like, yeah, you know, we were really tough ones, like lost a lot of really close games. Shocker there. And I just, I think they're going to keep, if he does sneak into the playoffs, like I know 
there's no way they're thinking, oh, this team can win the Super Bowl. Like, there's just no way that they're thinking that right now, right? Like, but I, I just, I don't think I want to see Zim at the helm next year. I love Zimmer, but like at this point, after that Thursday night game and after almost blowing a 29 point lead, and then also after losing to the 0 10 Vikings, Lions could have been 0 10 Vikings, but I just, I don't, I think I'm ready for a change. Oofs and poofs from Lucas today. Uh, <laughs> love to hear it. <laughs> okay, so you're ready for a change. Do you think that it would happen? If they make the playoffs, I think he's going to stay. If they miss, I think he's gone. Okay, so it, the, the goalpost still stands where it stood at the beginning of the season. Gotcha. Dalton, toss it to you. Has has there been a material change this year, or are you agreeing with Lucas that it's um, the status quo? I think I'm in agreement with Lucas, and I've been screaming that I think they should get rid of Zimmer. But I think the fact that Kirk has just one more year on his contract, I could see the Wilfs saying, okay, we're going to let Zim and Spielman run it back one more time with Kirk as their guy. And then if it doesn't work out, Next year, clean break, new QB, new coach, new GM. You let a new coach, new management come in and sort of start with a clean slate because I think you see around the league when there are new coaches that come in with the old regime's QB, there's some weird frictions where you know the new coach wants a new guy. Like we saw, it worked out for Arizona, but Cliff Kingsbury came in the year after the previous management had drafted Josh Rosen in the top 10 as a QB. And he said, now I want my own guy. So he traded him and it worked out. They got Kyler Murray, but you see it around the league where new coaches come in and they want their own QB. They want their own system. So it could be a situation where the Vikes just say, you know, roll the dice one more time and see what happens. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. I think I agree with you a little bit on the timing of everything. It, the clean break is nice, but if you look at Kirk Cousins' career, and they showed this stat a few weeks ago, where like how many offensive coordinators that he's had in his time in the league, and a lot of them being with the Vikings, it seems like a new one every single year. Um, and it clearly feels like there's too much friction be- between him and Zimmer. Like they've never really saw like saw eye to eye on how the game should be played, the quarterback's role. I think uh, they've been off on that. And, you know, we came into this year like this is the first time they're even talking to each other, it seems like, right? So don't you think Kirk Cousins of all the guys could be a guy who just like, if you bring in a new coach, new system, new GM, a whole new, just run back with a whole new staff. And this one is like more offensive maybe. And just is like, let's let Kirk do what he wants to do for this year. Like this isn't really our year. If like management understands that they don't even start the timer. It's a year zero, PJ Fleck. They just let him kind of do his thing. Do you think like there's more value in that than just trying to run it back with a system that we've seen probably doesn't work? A thousand million quadrillion percent. Yes. I think there's, okay. there's a clear ceiling on the current regime. And so I'm all for a total overhaul, even with Kirk at the helm. But I, I think we've seen that the current ownership is very reticent to make any kinds of major changes. You're ready to see Kirk at the helm. Kirk guy. He's been okay. I've seen some of the most ridiculous Kirk defending stats in the world (laughs) on Twitter. Today, I'm not even kidding. I saw this stat. It said the caption was, you're telling me it's Kirk's fault? Question mark. And it was, if the Vikings gave up zero points in the last two minutes of the first and second half in every game this season, they'd be 12 and 0. Well, let's hear him out. That so much scoring happens at the end of halves to say if you didn't give up any points and it's all the defense's fault. No, that's just the most ridiculous, it's, absurd Kirk defending. Okay, well then what happens if the Vikes didn't score any points in the end of the two minutes? Like it's just come on. Well, that wouldn't happen because Kirk Cousins is the quarterback. Dalton, are you not? What? What? I mean, how are you confused? I think that was a pretty clear cut stat to kind of yeah, to go from. I don't know, Dalton. This seems too obvious. We have to, the worst smart guy two-minute defense in history to just saying we don't give up a single point in two minutes right, right. or less at any half. That's a hell of a swing. I love that. And you know the guy who put that one out there was like, this will This, this is show gonna him. get this him is, going. Yeah. Oh, he's like, Darcy, look at this. Can you believe it? I'm going to tweet it. I'm going to tweet it. I'm going to do it. Oh, this is going to this is gonna be crazy. Nobody's going to have a, a rebuttal to this. Um, you know, that's insane. Okay. 
That was good Vikes talk. Good Vikes talk. We won't dive too deep. Lou, you got one more thought for us. Is it a psh, an ugh, a buh? What do no, you got? I, uh, <laughs> I uh, just, I know people are wondering. So I want to put out one nominee for voting off the island. No one is safe under my watch. And this week, there's not a chance you'll guess who I'm picking. Anyone want to try, though? <laughs> no, we'll let you roll. We'll All let right. You roll. <laughs> Number 44, Josh Metellus, backup safety on the punt return team. I caught this in the cut. replay. <laughs> yeah. The L22. <laughs> got a, he's got a, it's a brutal holding penalty on one of DD's actual fairly nice returns. Um, and then in the replay, they show it slow-mo. He just brutal hold, blatant hold. And then he runs by and he goes, yes. And he gets a fist pump. <laughs> like he made a really nice play. And he's just like grabbing the guy right as Didi runs by him. And so, sorry, Josh, get to swimming. Get to swimming. Thank you, Lucas. We we forgot to do that. Um, we'll keep that going. You, you DM me his name again. I forgot it already. Um, I'll put it on my list. You don't list. need to. He's not coming back. Not guaranteed. coming back. <laughs> Nobody um, on the island would notice he's gone. No, they'd be like, he's where's like Josh? Lost. Josh who? Yeah. <laughs> uh, does. Um, yeah. Okay. So, and if, for those of you who are begging for a happy, crappy, happy, we're not doing it because we won. We don't need the positive spin. The positive spin is 36, 28. Vikings six and seven, baby. One more five hundred. We flip flop uh, so badly on that because sometimes when we lose, we're like, ah, oh, there's too much negativity. Like we're not gonna do happy <laughs> We do it when we want to do it. Let's be out there. Uh yeah. Um, it's a you know, we're kind of like uh we got a hamstring injury. We're week by week. We don't know. We're always questionable with the happy crappy happy. That's sports talk, folks. Um, all right, we will move into something a little bit more hypothetical, unless do we have any more Vikes? No. Okay. Actually, into something. Okay. All right. Don't let, let me have it. What do you got? So Lou's, all of a sudden getting on the Vikes bandwagon. <laughs> yeah. So Lou's, love it. All aboard. Lou said, I think you said that there's no chance that this team's going to make a playoff run, but I just pose this to you guys. Imagine a scenario where a Vikings team wins the Super Bowl. Is that Vikings team going to have been dominant all year? I don't think so. I think it's going to be like the Giants when they beat the Patriots, like sneaky. You were never expecting it. And just like, oh, what? They came out of nowhere because the Vikes don't do well when expectations are high. That's true. I think if the Vikings ever win a Super Bowl, it's going to be a team that just sneaks into the playoffs and gets hot at the right time. School. It would have been that Case Keenum team. God damn it. Oh, that team was too good. It was too good. But they snuck in on the Minneapolis Miracle. Then they got too much hype. Yeah. And there was too much talk because it was in Minnesota that year. That's but that true. is the makeup of a team. I do agree with you. I Because, whoa, that blew my mind. I've never thought about it that way, Dalt. So, so you're saying like 2022, that. book it, stamp it now. Zimmer's last Minnesota dance. Vikings. Start the 30 for 30. Champions of the world. Zimmer, lifetime, lifetime contract if he wins it all. Absolutely. Do you agree to go yeah. eight and nine for the rest of your life, basically, or like nine and eight, ten and seven, seven and ten with Zimmer if he can win a Super Bowl this year? Forever. I oh, think yeah. I take that. Yeah, I do too. Okay. Fun. All right. That was good. Any more Vikes talk? I'll say it one more time. And this is the last time I'm going to do it. Okay. That was good. Good Vikes talk. We are going to move into something a little bit more hypothetical. There was uh, some interesting things came out this week related to some old time, some old heads, as we'd call them, uh, some very old heads. We're talking Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. Some some fun little video of the two of them taking batting practice, having a good time. Um, so it it's a question that we've been thinking about a lot here at the mini market podcast basically since our inception i think this was brought up on our brainstorming session number one about what would we talk about on our podcast the question is if you lived a hundred years ago how many professional sports do you think that you could play and play well i say so how many of the pro leagues do you think you could make if you were 20 years old in 1921 Lucas, I will start with you. 
do you think there are any pro sports you could could you reach the pinnacle of sport in any of the pro leagues in 1921 i'm gonna say yes i could play but i don't to your caveat i don't know if i could play really well like i couldn't be an mvp caliber player that's for sure but i think i want to say i do okay in baseball if they're throwing slow enough and they were yeah so i think i could do baseball and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna say basketball i think i could i could throw some bows down low if i got my bill that i have now those are some skinny boys. <laughs> You're a skinny boy now. Yeah, but I could, I could, you know, you know me. I'm a hard follower. I can get in there, dude. I don't. Okay, I, I, I could see you getting, uh, getting in there, just making, pushing some people around, getting underneath that yeah, like peach I said, basket. I'm not playing but did you well. guys see on Thursday night that picture of Bud Grant playing for the Lakers? Yeah, he kind of looked jacked. He like he looked big and athletic. I won't lie, he looked big and athletic. So. Do you think you could compete with that? Now, Bud would probably like punch me square in the teeth and knock all my teeth out. <laughs> Bud Grant's six three, and Lucas is five ten. I'd be I'd be a a revolutionary for the small forward position back then. I think. Okay, so you you think you could make two, and we'll just say like we know you're not making hockey. Yeah, well, maybe there's no chance to I'd be honest. Make it in the NHL. Hockey is the one that I think would be harder to make back then than now because they were so tough back then. Those guys True. literally ate like Very glass tough. shards for breakfast. They were Very just. Tough. And that's yeah, that's no slight at the current NHL. I'm not saying it's like obviously it's ridiculously the hard didn't to make. Wear, it, but like masks, they yeah, didn't they do were, anything. Like they, they were just taking pads. off the teeth. <laughs> yeah, but. Like if if you got a modern pair of skates and a modern stick, do you, like do you think you could make it with a modern pair of skates and a modern stick? And I, we'll give you a bucket. You can even have a freaking fishbowl if you want. Do you think you could make it? <laughs> You'd have a in separate that scenario? locker room. Like your, is this your own like team my training level right now, or like my? Yes. I get to train a little bit. <laughs> no, I'm still saying no because I could hardly raise the puck off the ice. Jeez. Well, they couldn't at all. And they were like, actually, that that one would be tough because there was only like four teams, six teams in the NHL for like half of its existence. So I'm still going. No, I have to make a roster there. Yeah, tough to make a roster. Not a lot of not a lot of room, not a lot of opportunity. Um, all right. And you don't think you could make football? Didn't you play in high school? Weren't you a uh, I don't know. Yeah, but you know, I was a backup quarterback and they didn't throw the ball back then. So they were just runners. You could have been revolutionary, though. Like, your name would be plastered on the league. What, was it even allowed? To th- could you even throw the ball forward it in 1921? You literally can't, probably. So, fine for you. You couldn't anyways. Oof. Zing. Sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. Damn. Um, you'd be kind of like a, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Saints guy. Taysom Hill? Yeah, I could see you being like a Taysom Hill. A Taysom running Hill. the triple option, baby. I, I could see that. Shoo, shoo, shoo. Or 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 before you were a backup quarterback, I seem to remember you were a outside linebacker. Yeah, for a, hit a little for boomstick, baby, Ooh. hitting them gaps. Not Cause a a disrupts Brian and stuff. Urlacher, get you in a neck roll. Senior? Uh, if you give me mm. a, a cowboy collar slash neck roll, I think now we're talking. Now we're talking. Nineteen twenty-one. Some metal spikes. Also, see no it. helmets. I think. Yeah. 1921. I'd almost want to be a little later. I'd want to be in like the 50s. When there were no rules, basically. Yeah. <laughs> they could just basically kill each other on the field. Yeah, but they'd never seen speed like mine. Yeah, Ike, what are you? <laughs> let's hear. Let's hear yours. Okay, so I've been thinking about this, especially after this video of Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, and I'm looking at their swings, and you're like, these are kind of brutal they swings. Got a lot like they going are. On. I got a they're lot freaking, going They're on. throwing everything that they have. Like it's flying out easy. Like if I'm a pitcher, I'm just attacking soft, down and away, down and away, down and away. They are not getting to that pitch. It's similar based to like on a, these batting practice. A swings. swing you see from a lot of like guys who come from Japan, where they're kind of moving forward almost to first base when they swing. Is that yeah. the vibes you guys got? That's kind of what I was. A little seeing. bit. Yeah. yeah. I like mean, they were just like, like throwing those shoulders open. Like it was just like crazy. Um. 
So I'm looking at these swings. I'm like, well, I got a better swing than that. And yeah, that's right. At me, if you're worried about that, I have a better <laughs> swing than Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. Oh! Guaranteed. Clip it. But, Clip it. But I will say this. This is the one caveat. Um, regardless of how you think about their swings and like what the pitching was, the fences were still the fences. Like they haven't changed much in the lifetime of baseball. They're still always around 300 feet. Except for the polo corners. grounds. Right. That one was, you know, very different. But in general, they're around 300 feet to the corners, give or take. They're around 400 to center, give or take, maybe three, whatever you want to say. The fences are the fences. These two guys combined hit 1,207 home runs with those swings. So say what you will. It was working. They, they could, could hit the yeah, ball out of the park. They could get the ball out. And now me, with my sweet-ass swing <laughs> in my combined entire lifetime of playing baseball, two. Count them. Two home runs over the fence. So No one said you had to be a home run hitter. And those guys are yeah, the goats. But, like, Think about the guy who's hitting ninth in the order for those teams. I'd like to see his swing. Oh, oh. I guarantee I'm faster than anybody in 1921. That's the thing. It's like I could be... I got a noodle arm, but I'm faster than anybody in 1921. So I'm, and if they're throwing in the seventies, I'm feasting, baby. The Ben Revere of, this, of the Oh my God. They would, they, oh, I would be a fan favorite for sure. I'm a hustler. I'm a grinder. Uh, yeah, I could play baseball imagine, I'm just back imagining in the twenties. I'm sorry. Big wool, like jersey oh, and those that, pants. That, that would slow me down a little bit. And those bats were like logs. I don't know if I could swing one that well. That's all right. I'll just bunt. So baseball, check, count it. I'm in. Uh, they never seen glove work like this. Ooh. So, and I can play all positions. So wherever you want me, coach, put me in center field, whatever. Um, football, again, faster than anybody in 1921, but can't throw the ball. Anyone. <laughs> if you could throw the ball. If I could throw the ball, you know where they're throwing it to me. You're um, not going over the middle, though. I'll tell you that. Yes, I am. I yes, I am. Not. Yeah, I no, am. 100%. No you would take 100%. 100%. These lumpy boys ain't even touching me. Uh, oh, so, yes. He's giving them the Tyreek deuces. Uh, no, to be honest, I don't think there was any era of football that I could play. Too tough. I, I just like it's just not for me. Hockey, we talked about it. I can't skate. I can lift the puck though, so but I can't take a slap shot without falling. So <laughs> out on that. Um in on basketball, I would do well in basketball, I think, at that time. I don't care if Bud Grant was six three. Bud Grant was faster than fifty years after the nineteen twenties. He's not that old. Mm, whatever. Um, it's just the most recent picture of a person that I saw. <laughs> no, this was back when they dribbled with one hand behind their back, would take the weird like Shots where one hand would go up and the knee would go up with it. Imagine doing a reverse layup. They would have pooped their pants at the, whatever the stadium was. They'd be like, that, no. Imagine just it. shooting from what would have been like the three-point line, but it wasn't there. Yeah, you just, just catch like, one from deep. Like, what? Is that allowed? They'd hate you. Also, you'd probably get called for tons of carries, travels. Like If you tried to Euro step, travel every time. One crossover carry double dribbles like they'd just be calling random stuff on you so but i still think i i could make it uh i'd be slapping the floor you'd adjust yeah um tennis barely played any tennis in my life i think i could do it really pure athleticism could could make it happen um wooden rackets yeah and if Golf, if I had my set of clubs, not even that, that was good the of one set I was going to bring up. If I went back now with my set of clubs, just be I think bombing I it past. Yeah, I'd be crushing the ball. Doesn't like, matter what's where going you're on. <laughs> like, I don't even know, man. I'm just hitting this thing and be going 500 feet to the right, but I'd still be like so far in they front of anybody else with their old driver. One, yeah, yeah. Would you and win I'm, a major? I'm solid inside 150. Solid inside 150. <laughs> So yeah, I could win a major. I would have a whole closet of green jackets. Dalton, what, how would you do? Wow. I think you guys are right on with basic, basketball and baseball. I think I'm right there with you. I don't think I would have been a star in baseball. I could have been could have been in there though. Because I threw mid seventies as it was, so I would have been. I mean, don't get Lowest me wrong. CRA in school history is that CRA in school history, in Division three history, some would say. But then basketball. 
I think they were just, they didn't know what basketball was back then, like Ike said. And I would play those two because I wouldn't want to have to have that off-season job that they had back then where they were working in the mills to, <laughs> to earn a living in the off-season. So I would need two separate sports in offsetting seasons because... Well, yeah, you get your tar- your carpal tunnel... <laughs> Excuse me, you'd get your carpal tunnel in both wrists again, huh? That is true. I factory once, jobs. Yeah, factory job, double tendonitis. It was it was a mess. <laughs> both arms. Whoa. It just shows I'm not a factory man. I've got soft skin and small wrists. But anyway. <laughs> what sports are we missing here? The tough ones are just out. I'm too I'm not tough enough for football with pads. So without pads, forget about it. Hockey, I can't skate gymnastics i don't no. know if i'm flexible but if i stretched enough. enough those guys are so strong they are now back then probably pretty strong back then too. yeah i think you just, just always had how about weightlifting like old school weightlifting oh. with the round bells have you seen my weight is a weight i mean <laughs> it's the same yeah i don't know but like they weren't putting up numbies Ooh, were they competitive eating competitive eating <laughs> I saw you try to eat eight hot dogs. That was not impressive. I don't think that's impressive in in any era. would have dominated you in that. Come on. I don't know. We're going to have to look up some numbers. Oh, yeah. Going to have to look up some numbies. Yeah. The thing is, I just feel like with baseball, it's just, if they're not throwing that hard, it would just be... But then you're like, what was the ball made out of? Like, Do you have to use their crappy little gloves? It's a tough one. Maybe that, I'd just yeah, be just as mediocre then as I am now. What like do you ever think about that? Like what if you just fizzle it out? D three was the highest you got in college baseball. Oh. Just like just like you did now. That'd be so demoralizing. Ball. I would not get back in the time machine. I'd just stay in the twenties and I take advantage either. of comp- compound interest. Hey, set man, my future generations up well. Wow. The the oil ty- tycoon Dalton Matson. They'd just there will be blood would have been made about you. Wow. Think about that. Um, okay. Any sports we're missing? Swimming? Like, do we just go through the Olympic sports? Would you just do well in all the Olympic sports? Track and field? I, know, I would man, do great. Olympians I told you, I'm the fastest been, guy ever. Olympians have been doing this since like ancient Greece. <laughs> would you get butt naked in ancient Greece and wrestle? That's the question I, <laughs> I want to have. I don't think I would. <laughs> Only if you I was get good. Butt naked and wrestle? Only if you were good? Yeah. If I were, if I was good, I would do it. But nothing would be more demoralizing than just getting pinned in the nude. Here's first round TKO. Forget I think even it. if you win in the nude, how like do you feel that great about it? I got one. Would for you it. box? Would you box in 1921? No, because <laughs> it was basically bare knuckle back then. Mm-hmm. I was gonna ask off that. Back to the Olympic stuff. How long would we last in like a gladiator pit? Like when there's like you know 20 people <laughs> that start and then they just it's last man standing. I don't think we would fare very well. My only hope would be to hide. Once someone is trying to take me out, I'm done. But if I can kind of hide in the shadows for a little while, go by unscathed, that's my only hope. That's the only hope. <laughs> it's, I don't think there are any shadows. It's just one big circle. No corners. Dang it. So is the consensus two sports? Just it's, basketball yeah. and baseball? Kind of. If they could pass the ball in football, does then that change yes. the game? <laughs> I still say no. I'd be a quarterback. I can't even throw a football that well, but I could be a red zone threat, maybe. Ooh. A lob threat. Ooh, you are kind of tall. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that was a fun segment. Glad we got to do it. I think Connor would just say every sport. I think yeah, if we, we know we, Connor well, say. he would just say every sport. He'd be he would be Babe Ruth. They wouldn't even talk about Babe Ruth. He'd have all the home runs. Connor had a pretty good swing for a pitcher. Um, all right. We will move on from there. He would have said swimming for the record because he, he he's a big yeah. swimmer. I can't swim one swimmer. length of the pool without getting tired. Well, you got to work on your stamina then, Dalton. It's good for your heart. That, kids, is another message for you. Exercise is good for the heart. All right. We'll move back into the current world of sports. We will go to our favorite team, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They have been on a very bad stretch as of late. It has been hard to watch, extremely hard to watch. They had that good streak going, 
Then they had a sickness, some illness run through the team. D'Lo gets hurt. Pat Bev gets hurt. Everything kind of falls apart for the Timberwolves. They've now lost seven in a row again. Or no, six in a row again um, with some serious blowouts happening. The most recent one against the Cleveland, Clav- Cleveland Cavaliers had to turn it off in the third quarter. It was unwatchable. Final score, 123-106. Their Cavs win. The game before, 136-104 against the Jazz. Hawks come into town uh, on Monday night. They beat the Wolves 121-110. to uh, The last good game the Timberwolves have really played was that Nets game, the 110-105. That was last Friday. Um, oof, it has been an up-and-down season, to say the least, for this team. Um, this Bad stretch once again has percolated a few questions in my mind. The first one is this. The Timberwolves struggle mightily offensively without D'Angelo Russell. They just do not have any options. Nobody's initiating the offense. They don't have a guy who can really just create. Anthony struggles a lot when Russell is out. He feels like he has too much of the burden to take. Uh, His shot selection definitely goes down. The flow of the offense is just bad when D'Angelo Russell is out. So my question to the group here is, D'Angelo Russell, is, the, is he currently the most important member of the Timberwolves? If he's not, who do you think is? Dalton, I'll kick it to you. Weirdly, yes. And also, he's one of the more important players defensively, which if you told me that before the season, I would have laughed in your face. So... I don't know if it's more of a positive that he's so good or a negative that the team is not able to do well without him. Do you view that as as like a, an encouraging sign from D'Lo or a discouraging sign from the rest of the team? Like, yeah, that one's tough. When you look around the rest of the league, like how many teams do you think would do really well without their starting point guard? If their starting point guard missed five games, how many teams do you think go four and one in that stretch of games? Uh, obviously, I know there's a difference between going four and one and getting blown out for f- six straight games, but I think point guard is such an important position inherently in the NBA. They have so much of the burden, and I think we've seen from D'Lo that he has a lot of leadership qualities that I think went under the radar when we signed him. I think everybody thought he was just like kind of a selfish bucket getter. Um, but I think with D'Lo, we've seen this year, like he is super engaged on defense. He at times you you'll be watching the game and like um, Jim Pete will call out that D'Angelo is literally just like calling out the other team's plays as they run them. Like he he seems to be a guy who really studies the game. He's super engaged. Um, he keeps that defensive unit like locked in in a way that we haven't really been in a long time. He's more vocal than like a guy like Cat on the defensive end, and I think. I think the thing that has gone overlooked with D'Angelo Russell is that he's a really smart player and he does a lot of homework, it seems like. Um, so that hurts right there. Generally speaking, I would love it if the team had a little bit more depth where they could survive having a guy be out for a little bit and not just be absolutely awful on both ends of the floor, especially offensively. Like It just is hard to watch when he's not playing offensively. But if you look at like the Warriors, like if they didn't have, I know... That's a tough one, but if they don't have Curry, they're not the same team that they are. Phoenix doesn't have Chris Paul. They're not the same team that they are. We saw back even when the Clippers had Chris Paul when he goes down. And I'm not saying he's as good as these, these, these guys, but like, you know, take the Jazz. If they lose Donovan Mitchell, that's going to be a big hit. Like he's one of our best players. So it's not just like a random guy went missing. It's a very important piece of our team has been out. So I think it is a little bit like, Normal that we're not playing as well, but I don't think we should be this bad without him. We still have Carl Anthony Towns and uh, Anthony Edwards. So I don't know, Dalton, what do you think about that? Like, do you think it should be this steep of a drop off? Do you feel bad about it? I'll just flip the question back to you. I do feel bad about it. And you talk about the drop off. Like, yeah, I think you make a good point. He's just probably the second best player on the team. So and he's the point guard, which is maybe the most important position in the NBA. So yes, that hurts. But I feel like the Wolves drop-off between starting point guard and backup point guard is one of the smaller in the NBA if you're going D'Lo to Pat Bev. So 
yes, it hurts that Delo's out, but why that does that drop off from Delo to Pat Bev hurt so much? Is it just the shot creation? I, I think. I think it's a problem with the rest of the team. I think it's discouraging because other guys can't create their shots. It's like we have, you know, then Malik Beasley has to play a bigger role in the offense. Then we have Jaden McDaniels. These guys are more catch and shoot guys, which is unfortunate. Um, when Delo's out, Pat Bev's not as much of the sort of prober and then passer. You've compared Delo to like a soccer player before. It's like Pat Bev's more of like a UFC player in an NBA. Like he's just going wild. He likes to get downhill. Yeah, like, yeah. He likes to get downhill a lot more. So it, it's maybe a little it I don't know, maybe it's just the style of the offense is is for more of a a prober than the straight line get to the bucket type of guy. But I to me the thing that's most discouraging is how Ant has struggled. He hasn't been great offensively, whether Delo's been in or not, honestly. Like I was looking at some of his points per possessions, and I'm gonna gonna run you through some of his uh different play types and how he's been scoring per possession. So I thought Ant was like his bread and butter is sort of ISO or pick and roll. Just like give him the ball and like let him sort of get going downhill just because he's so much more athletic than everyone else. But when you dig into the numbers, he actually hasn't been that effective this year. So per possession, when he has the ball in isolation, he only averages 0.78 points per possession. And that's in the 27th percentile of all players. So there's like 73% of players in isolation are more efficient in terms of scoring per possession than him and he's not much better in pick and roll pick and roll he averages 0.74 points per possession when he's the ball handler it's a little worse but in terms of percentiles that's the 32nd percentile in the league so to me if this team is going to get going we need ant to be able to get the ball and get downhill i don't know if that's just ant still figuring out defenses i think it's more of a problem in that the way teams are defending the Wolves, they're putting their power forward on Cat and letting their center sort of sit in the lane. And yeah. the Wolves don't have shooters on the perimeter that are shooting very well right now. So teams are able to just sort of collapse in and Ant needs to be able to get to the rim to be effective. And when they have guys waiting for him there, obviously that's going to hurt his efficiency at the rim. Yeah, I was actually going to say, like, I think it's a combination. I think there was a really good point about the centers because um, we just don't have the spacing, especially when you have like Vanderbilt and McDaniels on the floor at the same time. Like neither of those are consistent shooters in any regard. So you basically have two non-offensive players, at least on the floor. Josh Okogie is another one. He's not spacing the floor. You basically just have Malik Beasley and Towns. And right now we're seeing a lot more corner threes from Towns. So they're trying some different things offensively to try to remedy this. Like I saw him shoot in the last few games. Like he's shooting corner threes. I feel like we've never seen that in Towns' no. career. Um, but with Anthony Edwards, right now it's like his finishing at the rim is not as good, I think, as we believe it to be. Like he's not quite as creative as he needs to be finishing at the rim. He gets blocked a lot at the rim. He's been missing a lot at the rim. He goes in a little bit soft for how big and strong he is. So he either needs to, if teams are going to keep dropping their centers in, like he has to develop that Pat Bev, D'Angelo Russell, like uh, Donovan Mitchell type. He needs a little bit of floater game. Like you need something that's going to be more interesting for the defense, especially for that center, like a Rudy Gobert, to, to convince them that you are not always just going to go to the rim once you get around that screen. That is like the next step, I feel like, for Anthony Edwards. If he can get a little bit more consistent and comfortable with a floater, that's going to open things up a lot more. Because that shot we've seen as Steph Curry kind of totally created it, made it popular in the NBA, it creates a lot of space. And then it creates a lot of backfill for those lobs. Like Vando is a guy, uh, McDaniels, he's also a guy. Like if you can get that center out a little bit and they're back cutting down the baseline, you can throw those lobs. Those are really good, easy plays, easy buckets. That's what the team needs is easy buckets. So I think a lot of that is going to come from Anthony Edwards getting a little bit more creative once he comes around a screen or gets by his first guy. Because right now, it's head down, get to the left side of the rim. And everybody knows that that's what he's doing. He's going to try to finish with his left hand. And I think that's just going to come for him like a little bit. Like That's just a development piece of like understanding what the defense is giving you and taking what's there versus trying to make something happen. Because right now with him, it's always been like, you need to get to the rim. You need to get to the rim. Stop settling for jump shots. Stop sh settling for jump shots. And I think there's a nuance between settling for a jump shot and getting to the rim. There's stuff in between that. There is good looks in between that. Um, so he's, he's got a tough challenge. There's so much 
being asked of him at such a young age, especially on offense right now. Like, he's still the youngest like, guy on the Wolves. Like he's yeah. still the youngest player on the team. He's only 20 years old. Like, yeah, I think yeah. that's a great point. Yeah. And so I'm not like super worried, but keep throwing some of those numbers at us. What else you got? So I was looking more into the three-point percentage just as a team as a whole. So the Wolves, we thought they might have some decent shooting this year. Uh, you know, they have, like we said, Beasley. McDaniels made some strides last year. We thought maybe Ant's jump shot would make take a step forward. Right now, they're shooting 33.4% from three. That's 22nd in the league. Really bad. And they're being absolutely carried by Cat. Cat is having his best shooting year of his career. He's shooting 43% from three-point land. That's insane. Absurd. But then... Take away Cat's numbers because Cat's shooting way better than the team, and he's the second highest volume three point shooter on the squad. Without Cat, the team's shooting 31.8%. That would be 28th in the league. Really, really bad. And I know, of course, okay, you take away the best three point shooter for any team, they're going to go down. So, for comparison, Boston, the Celtics, they're 23rd in the league in three point percentage, right behind the Wolves. You take away their best three point shooter, they only fall two spots. They go from 33%, 33.2% to 32.8. The Wolves go from 33.4 to 31.8. There's a much bigger gap. That's because Cat is just carrying the team. He needs help from the three-point mm, line. And I know. It's it's tough. Like So much falls on Ant. We said that. But Cat's shouldering a ton. And especially this year, because he lost so much weight, he's not as effective in the post. So he really needs to be able to shoot. And he has been able to shoot. But with him not able to do it in the post... We don't have a ton of inside, outside. Like, what else do we have, right? Like, yeah. like it's 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 it makes sense why the offense has been struggling. They don't have cat to go to in the post anymore as much. Do you want some cat post offense numbers? Yeah, I was gonna just before you do that. I want to preface how impressed I've been by Carl Anthony Towns this season and how wild it is that people at any point were saying that any part of this is his fault. He's been way too effective offensively to have any of this blame for any of their downcomings fall on him. I know he's had a, probably more turnovers than he should, so maybe we'll, we'll do that. But like in terms of his offensive efficiency, it's insane. And to be able to do it when he almost has zero easy post looks. Every time he gets the ball, he's doubled. We talked about the weight loss that he's had. He's had trouble getting to the low block. He just doesn't get many low block opportunities. And when he does get them, they aren't the easiest shots, and he's still making a lot of them. So I've been really impressed by him in that. So go ahead, Dalt, hit us with it. Okay, so he averages three and a half post-ups per game that end in, in some kind of shot. He's averaging 0.74 points per possession on those post-ups. That's the worst in the league of anyone who has three, who averages three or more post-ups per game. And overall, 0.74 points per possession out of post-ups is only the 23rd percentile of all players in the league. Yikes. So maybe I was totally wrong. So his post his post effectiveness has been really bad. But no, I think he, I don't think you were wrong. I think you're right in that teams are doubling him. So it's the fact that he's getting doubled because teams don't have to respect the Wolves shooting. And he's lost a little bit of weight so he's having trouble sort of getting to that block. There's sort of all these factors are playing together in that the Wolves shooting struggles, so then that hurts Cat in the post. But then Cat's not scoring as well in the post. So it, there's like all these sort of this cause of this, but they're all sort of coming together to form one big problem. I think if they can improve the shooting, that'll help Cat in the post. So it like if the shooting mm -hmm. improves, it helps Cat, which helps other things. Like it's just one thing sort of needs to start clicking and then that'll have a sort of a chain reaction. It's been ugly recently offensively, but I think there's definitely hope because all of the problems are sort of interconnected. Is there hope with the roster that we have now or are you saying we have a good core need to wait to rebuild a little bit more to revamp? There, there is a little bit of hope in the sense that a lot of the Wolves players are having their worst shooting year of their careers, like Malik Beasley shooting well below his career average. Jaden McDaniel's numbers have been way down. There's some hope that these guys will sort of progress and get back to where we've known them to be. My main concern, I guess, is the shot creation aspect because right mm -hmm. now there's Ant and D'Lo, but who else on the team is going to be able to create shots and then you're really reliant on those two. So maybe they look for a guy in the trade market and say, okay, our shooters aren't shooting. So we're just going to lean into the shot creation and try to create an offense around that. I don't know. What are you seeing or what are you thinking? Uh, I think with this roster that we have, we have too many one dimensional players. So as much as mm. we love guys like Vando guys like McDaniels guys like Okogie, 
it you just can't have that many people on your roster who can't play on both ends of the floor. Guys like Malik Beasley, like he's a good shooter, but he's a liability defensively. Like we just have too many people like that. We just aren't well rounded enough as a team. Like I love Vando. He is part of the reason that this team is so fun to watch is guys like Vando because Minnesota as fans, we just we respect hustle so much. And it's probably too much. It's why we all love Nick Punto so much. We just respect grinders, hustlers, that motivation of like, nothing's going to hold us down. Vando embodies that. He's so fun to watch work offensively uh, on the offensive rebound portion of the game. But like, if you had a person in that, if you had a guy who could space the floor a little bit in that four position, it gives it opens up so much more for cat if you had somebody that you could comfortably give other like post up opportunities whether it's high or low post that would help cat so much you could play a little bit more of that two man big game or you could kick to the corners or like it just it just makes things so much easier if you have guys on both ends of the floor that can do kind of everything and i'm it's it's harder to find but like it shouldn't be this stark of a contrast for so many guys in your roster to be so one dimensional um so I, one guy we haven't mentioned is Torian Prince. I think he's been sort of a disappointment. They saw him as a three and D guy, but this season he's only shooting thirty percent from three, where he's a career thirty-seven percent three-point shooter. Never liked that signing. You didn't that like that signing. You don't guy, see him I've as never, maybe a guy. I've who never come liked Torian Prince as I. He's always on bad teams. I think there's something to that. Like the numbers that you put up, but you're always on bad teams. It means you're not impacting the game. And what the Wolves always need is guys like Patrick Beverly, who I was wrong. I didn't like that signing, but he impacts the game. He impacts the team beyond his own personal stats. Torian Prince doesn't do that. He's not a good defender. He's not a consistent enough three-point shooter. And, and that's been his entire career. I always wanted the Wolves, when they did that, they got the wrong guy. They should have gone for Larry Nance Jr. And I don't know what he's done this year, so I could be totally wrong, but I just thought he was a better pairing for Carl Anthony Towns because his three-point shooting is sneaky good. Uh, it's underrated. And he's another guy like Vando where he is that hustle guy. He always is up there in the league and tip passes. He's always a good offensive rebounder. Larry Nance, can, he can play the lob. He's got way better ball skills than Vando, but he has the same amount of heart and hustle. So I just think that that was a miss the Wolves had and we're paying for it now because Torian Prince, even when things were going well, it was like if you watch all the games, he's the one guy who just like was not buying in, especially defensively. Like it just like befuddled me that he was always the guy who was just like he'd let blowbys happen. He he wouldn't contest shots like if he, if he wasn't shooting well and he wasn't to start the season, so he wasn't giving you anything on either side of the floor. And you just can't have guys like that on a team right now when you need every single person bought in. Because if you have one guy who's not, that can that's like that little bit of a seed that can grow really quick and get out of hand, and then you start losing people. Then you you lose those guys at the end of the bench if you have one person who's not totally bought in. It kills me. Torian Prince kills me. So you want you want to see the team add a multi dimensional player? What big. type of multi dimensional player? A multi dimensional big. I want a multi dimensional big. We need a legitimate four on this team. We'll never be good until we have a legitimate four or move Cat to a four, have a legitimate five. I think that's why everybody in Wolves land has been so excited that the Pacers have decided to try to like blow it up because Sabonis or Turner, I think either one of them would be great fits. If you get Sabonis, you move Cat, you keep Cat at the five. I think they would play off each other really well. Sabonis is a sneaky good rebounder. He cleans up the glass pretty well. Or if you go with Turner, then you've got you got Cat out at the four. It seems like that's the position he is probably more equipped to play now. I know he couldn't guard like a smaller four, but you know you can make that work. Um, Turner is he's a great rim defender, something we have not had in a long time. Just a just an enforcer down low, uh, good rebounder. Um, I think some of his rebound stats have been kind of diminished a little bit because he is expected to be such a like good rim defender. And so you, you lose out on some of the rebounds. So maybe Sabonis's are inflated slightly because of that. But I, I think Turner would be a good match with Cat. I think Sabonis would be a good match with Cat. Whichever way you, you swing it, I think that could work. But I just think you're never going to do well with this many one-dimensional players. Like Nobody's going to make that big of a leap in terms of shooting. I know they're all having their worst years, but nobody's all of a sudden going to be a way better shooter than they've ever been. It's tough. It's you really tough hope, out you there. You still have hope in this team I, if they don't, if have, they don't make a trade. Hope. If they don't make a trade, do you think this team can succeed this team, and make a playoff run in the West? A 
playoff run, this team as it is like this year or like going forward? This season. This season, I still think they will be in the hunt for that 10 seed, 10, 9 seed. Like they will still be in that hunt. I think um, we saw it before when D'Lo was out, the offense was not great. When he's back in, they're legit. So if we can get stretches where he's healthy for a longer period of time, when we got them all rolling together, this team is totally different when he's on the floor. So I think if, if he comes back, we keep Pat Bev while he's back. So we don't have to dip down in the McLaughlin's and the Balmaro's of the world uh, on our point guard situation. If we can have it be mostly D'Lo and Patrick Beverly with a little bit of Balmaro mixed in, I think this team could be in the hunt for the, I mean, because you look at when he's in, when he's healthy, they win six in a row. When he's out, they lose six in a row. It's just kind of how it's gone this year. It's been what's D'Lo doing? That's what the team's doing. So yeah, I think if we can get him back, keep him healthy, we got a shot. What do you guys think? Yeah. And also Pat's on your back uh, before the season in the off season, we said, don't sign Jordan McLaughlin. That's, we don't need another feel good story. It's been a feel good story. He's not actually a good player. And you were spot on on that. He's been brutal this season and it looks like a really bad deal. Yeah. I don't know. He lost everything. It's like all of a sudden he's not a smart player anymore. It's like, that was always his thing. Like he's that savvy guy who like can figure things out. He's undersized, but he makes it work. All of a sudden, it's like everything went out the window with him. And it's really opened up the opportunity for Balmaro, who the fans love, but he is, he's another guy. He is, he's giving you absolutely nothing offensively. And I don't know if that's just that he's not comfortable yet, if the coaches aren't comfortable with him yet. But basically, what he does is he dribbles the ball up the floor and he gives it to Anthony Edwards and then he goes and stands in the corner. That's all he does on the offensive end. It, that's it. We don't have any cutting. Like he should be a guy cutting nonstop. He's a decent enough finisher. He's a big body, he's athletic. He proves that he's not going to play a ton of minutes and he's willing to put in every single thing that he has in terms of energy defensively, which is great. That's why everybody loves him. But if he could just do the same thing offensively, if he just back cutting back and forth the entire time on the baseline, that would be better than him standing in the corner. I don't know why we always do this. We did this with Culver. We did it with Anthony Edwards a lot last year. We do it with too many guys. Like it's just, it's just not, like, what does that help to have a guy stand in the corner who can't shoot a three? He's not spacing right. the floor at that point. If he's not a threat, nobody believes it. Like, just get Balmero cutting offensively. That's all I want. Like, he doesn't need to run the offense, but just like keep playing the level of defense that he's playing because he plays awesome defense on point guards. I do like to watch that. But just like do something with him offensively. Like, if we just right. had a team of guys who who aren't shooters but are just cutting nonstop. That would be better than what we have now. Yeah, then there's movement because then there's not guys sitting in the lane, clogging it up for Ant, doubling Cat, like we've been talking about. It sort of it fixes a lot of the issues that are problems mm-hmm. with the offense. And it's like this has been the Wolves for way too long through way too many regimes. We just always land in this same spot of like nobody's cutting. I mean, we did it with Andrew Wiggins too. Like we just put him in the corner and told him to stand there and wait till he got the ball. It's like what? How does that? play into any of his skills at all. It doesn't. It's just insane to me that we just continue to do this. It's not, it maybe is, it works for some modern NBA teams. It's great for Clay Thompson, even though like he's always been a cutter. He's a, he's a spot up guy, but he still cuts. He still cuts hard. He's smart when he does it. Um, we don't even have to be smart when we do it. Let's just, let's just go for it. You know what I mean? Like just do something, do the exact opposite of what you do offensively. Just nonstop movement. See what happens. So are you a big Jake Lehman fan then? Because everyone says Jake Lehman is the best cutter on the Wolves. And I've always thought this was weird. So he's been on the Wolves now for three seasons. His last season before the Wolves, this was 2018-19. He's with the Trailblazers. Yeah, he He started. He played 71 games, started in 33 of them. Yeah. And then in his three seasons with the Wolves, he's only played in 75 games. And that was a good Blazers team. Yeah. It makes, I don't get it. I, I've never understood why do we still have him? Why don't we play him? What isn't clicking with Jake Lehman that he can't even sniff the floor? Because if you look at like what we've done, he, he seems like he should be a guy who's getting on the floor at least based on his skill set. Because I, I think he is a good cutter. You saw he has a lot of athleticism. Maybe he just has too many lapses on defense. He's not a consistent shooter in general, but he, he can't be much worse than like some of the guys that we've been putting out there yeah I'm just like, like early in the season when the wolves were running an 11 man rotation he was getting a lot of do not plays coaches decision yeah. and it's like it's just weird to me that he's never had an extended chance when before he was on the wolves he was actually a legitimate contributor to a playoff team in portland so I, i've always mm-hmm. thought that was kind of a funky thing i don't know what's going on behind the scenes yeah there's got to be something bigger going on uh, maybe we'll have Lou do another uh, secret mini market assignment there. Try to figure out what's going on with Jake Lehman. 
um, use some of your uh, personal resources, maybe some of your connections. Get that Rolodex spinning, Lou. Um, all right. That's been a lot of Wolves talk, a lot of heavy Wolves talk. We've been waiting to do it for a couple of weeks. Uh, that was fun. That was fun, baby. You're talking roller coasters earlier. This season's yes. been a roller coaster. I mean, 11 Seriously. and 15 is kind of like, it's a little disappointing, but around where I probably would have had them before the season. Mm-hmm. But it's been so weird with like win seven, lose five. It feels like the yeah. sky's falling. I, it's crazy. If it's it crazy. had been win, loss, win, loss, we'd kind of be like, oh, okay, this is about right. Yeah. It's like that bandwagon is every other stop. There's people jumping on, jumping off. We don't know what's going on with the Wolves. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because you're right. Like their win total was 33. That was a projected win total for them this year. The over under it was at 33. So we're kind of right, you know, not perfectly on pace, but we're out. It's going to be close, right? Yeah. So we'll keep our eyes peeled there with the Wolves. Hopefully they can turn things around while they're the best team ever. Um, Love that. Lucas, what's Krill Kaprasov doing? Is he flying around? He's flying around, man. Flying Just around. Just getting apples. Ooh, baby. You know. Yeah. Uh, cool. We'll leave it there. That has been uh, this December issue of the Mini Market Podcast, episode 48, folks. That's right. 48 of these. I hope you've listened to them all. We've had a ton of fun making them. Signing off. Give us a follow on Twitter at mini market pod that's right we've changed our twitter it's at mini market pod no more tell them uh we won't tell you why peace bye i'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life Ah, the Mini Market Podcast she returns for another episode. I am your host, Zamon. I'm joined here today by our dear friend, Dalton, sportsman guy. A sports guy? Yeah, also, he says a sports guy, Dalton. Mon frere. We are also joined by mon ami, Lucas Hansan. Hansan. Lucas Hansan. <laughs> so, we will get it off Right, with the starting question for the group. If there was one thing you could change in your life, what would it be? <laughs> you sound like a magician. Or, or a poet. Ah, I am the great Zayaman. I will now make the money. No, you she will you disappear. <laughs> you sound like Sasha Baron Cohen in uh, Talladega Nights. <laughs> Quaps. You like Quaps? <laughs> <laughs> just like very thin pancakes. You are now my enemy, Ricky Bobby. You know how there are some <laughs> analytics of like YouTube videos, like when people stop watching, if we like when people <laughs> stop listening, just all in the first minute. Can't handle. <laughs> yeah. It's a no for me. I got a little bit lightheaded from doing that voice for too long. I need to sit down. I need to take a moment to recover. <laughs> wow. I actually don't feel good for that. <laughs> all right. Noted. Uh, Were you just like inhaling, to... exhaling too quickly? I don't know what, I do not know what it was, but I do know this. I need a rubber <laughs>